Welcome to Lamestream, everyone. My name is Steve Cavendish, and you can follow me on Twitter, not X, Twitter, at Scavendish. My name is Braden Gall. I'm the former host of Lamestream Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. What can people do if they like this show? If you're going to do my part, you got to do the part. Come on. Okay. Sorry. Three, two, one. If you like this show, please tell somebody about it. Please rate, scroll to the bottom, and hit five stars. And uh, write a little review. Uh, say nice things about the the host, the new host, Steve Cavendish, and um, you know, share share the show with somebody. Tell somebody about the show that you like it, uh, that you're a huge media nerd, and that you like it when we talk about huge media nerd topics. Today on the show, Sam Phelan of A to Z Sports. Sam is the is the beat reporter, the Titans beat reporter for A to Z. He is uh, shockingly young. <laughs> He, we we discussed this a little bit here. Uh, he is, yeah, he makes me feel old. They're doing some interesting stuff at A to Z. And so we talked about a lot of different things, talked about the style of story. We talked about kind of breaking news and kind of the importance of breaking news and kind of why it's hard for the locals. And he had some interesting stuff to say on that. But uh, but mostly uh, it was it was just me feeling old at this really young kid who's covering the Titans. Yeah, it, it was a great conversation. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I was not a part of it, however. Yeah, so, thanks for bailing on me. I appreciate. Yeah, I that. was. Uh, you know, the wife was in the hospital with the surgery thing on a on a collarbone accident, trying to impress the kids, which is the number one lesson of all of this. Uh, which is do not do anything when you are over the age of I don't know, like thirty five. That would that, that is trying to impress your children because it will end with you having major surgery that that's that's the lesson through all of this so i apologize that i was not able to be a part of the conversation but i I, i've listened to it it's wonderful sam is young and makes me old as well and i wasn't even there for it so uh how is the patient feeling good she's good 100 she's back home uh all hopped up and uh ready to uh, attack this therapy with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind did they did they slip a little something to the dealer too, or were the painkillers only for only for her? Uh, I, what do you? This, we are not condoning illegal prescriptions on the podcast, Steve. What are you talking about? No, no, mine is all mine is all natural brown liquid. I'm I'm just looking looking to see if you're going to share. Uh, so anyway, um, you got solicit couple... illegal narcotics on the podcast. I mean, I, just I'm just. I'm just asking questions. That's all I'm doing. Uh, We have got a couple of recommendations for you after the break. And we've got a a Titans Vols discussion about ratings. And most importantly, (laughs) we're going to talk. And I'm just the only time I'm going to say this. We're going to talk Coach Prime. Yeah, gross. Gross. Uh, this This is where you toss to the interview, Steve. So without any further ado... Here's Sam Phelan. Sam, welcome to the program. Appreciate you coming on here. Hey, I'm very happy to do it. I'm really excited. So thank you for having me. Now I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher your name like ten ways to Sunday. I know. Yeah. I, I keep wanting to call you Phelan, but it's Phelan, correct? Phelan. Yeah. I get Fallon a lot. I get the Jimmy Fallon <laughs> treatment, but yeah, Phelan, which uh, makes for a lot of fun. Uh, puns of uh, different ways that I could be failing. I get that a lot, but you know, <laughs> you are the you are the Titans beat reporter for for A to Z Sports here in town, and your Lipscomb grad. 
uh, a recent Lipscomb grad. You graduated last year. How'd you end up in Nashville? Man, so I uh, I started college out in Peoria, Illinois at Bradley University, and uh, I was kind of looking to transfer colleges after my freshman year of school and had done some preliminary searches. One it, year in Peoria was all it took, huh? Yeah, yeah. One year in Peoria kind of pushed me over the edge, and uh, I was in sports communication at the time, and I had a pretty clear idea of what I wanted to do uh, and the type of university I was looking for and the opportunities I was looking for, and uh, not exactly the most common major to find. So it was pretty easy to narrow down different programs. Uh, and when I first got in touch with Lipscomb, I was very drawn to the city of Nashville, very drawn to the growing, booming city and booming industries, especially in sports. Uh, and it was an appealing destination for me to try and, you know, further my education, have opportunities to get experience while in school, uh, while continuing my education. And so I came down to Nashville and I have, I've loved it since I've been down here. So Chicago boy down South. I was going to uh, say, and- you're a North Sider, aren't you? Uh, well, South technically living on the North side, but I am a South sider. If we're talking about our baseball allegiances. Here. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I, th- I thought the term I, North sider. I, yeah. I thought I saw somewhere you grew up in Schaumburg, but, uh, but if you're, yeah. but, but you're a White Sox fan. Yeah. I'm a Schaumburg graduate. Uh, yeah. And then Chicago White Sox all day. So I guess you could call it a North, a North sider, but that gives me the chills. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like that term being used. We we were talking about baseball on the pod here last week. What do you uh, what do you think about the White Sox using oh, Nashville man. here to uh, to try to get a better stadium deal? Yeah, well, I, I don't think the White Sox would ever move to Nashville. Uh, I think Major League Baseball wants Nashville as an expansion site, so uh, that wouldn't happen. But if the Sox got to do what they got to do to get a better stadium in the in Chicago, <laughs> I'm all for it. So yeah, man, the the, se- the cell not a great place to see a game. Just the location. It's yeah. Uh, uh, there's a lot going on over there. We, Steve, we could do an hour and a half talking about my <laughs> loathe and disdain for the White Sox right now. So, <laughs> well, so so you uh, so you end up you end up with Lipscomb, and you end up with it, it's interesting. You end up with a with a, a degree in sports media. Is that right? Yeah, it, it really fortunate circumstances for me because, like I said, I was in. Uh, a college of sports communication when I was over at Bradley and making the transfer, I really wanted to find something that could be very specific to what I wanted to do. And I found most universities are offering, Oh, you can do sports management with some journalism, or you can do some, some media or marketing with this side. And you're kind of like patchworking what you want your overall college experience to be. And Lipscomb very uniquely offered me the opportunity to sort of be a guinea pig for them. They had just opened the sports media major the semester after I had arrived. Like I was there with it when it didn't exist. Uh, and then they created it while I was there and I was able to finish out my years with that major. So uh, a lot of great experience, a lot of great professors, a lot of great classes uh, and things that I think helped me grow in three years. What did you think when you were a kid, you, wanting to be in sports media did you did you say to yourself i want to be on sports center or i want to be on a sideline or i want to be you know something uh because obviously you're drawn to the video kind of piece of piece of this yeah it, it has been the video so i mean i remember doing a project in fourth or fifth grade uh and it was like i, I always knew i wanted to be in the industry uh when you hit that point 
I was one of those kids. I think a lot of sports media people are that like, all right, well, the pro athlete dream is dead. How can I pivot to still be around sports? Uh, and I think sports writing was originally what I wanted to do. And as I got older, I found more, I had more affection for like the being on camera for speaking for the video aspect of it. And so I think my goal has been that sports center sort of role. How can I talk about what I love and give my opinions and be creative all at the same time surrounding sports? Uh, that's kind of what I felt like was best suited to my strengths. You ended up, you ended up going to work for A to Z, like almost immediately after graduation. Did, had had yeah. you done some stuff before, before that, or, or was this, was this a, a, you were applying for, for gigs after school? Well, I was, I tried to stay active. I tried to, uh, be well versed and have kind of a dynamic portfolio. I, I think probably the most experience I got was actually, you know, a friend of your program, Chris Lee gave oh, yeah. me an opportunity writing for uh, Vandy sports and covering Vanderbilt basketball my senior year. Uh, so I had the opportunity to, you know, kind of move away from the broadcast side, the production side of it, and really get into the beat writing side of sports media working for him covering Jerry Stackhouse and the Commodores. Uh, and I, I did that. And I think I, that was able to really do what I said, which was round out my portfolio, make me feel a little bit more comfortable in that setting. Uh, and then got very lucky. A to Z Sports actually came and gave a presentation at Lipscomb about a week or two before graduation. <laughs> uh, I went up to them and they were in the college of business talking about growing sports media businesses and their sort of like journey. Uh, they mentioned, Hey, we're looking for young talent. A lot of the time we're growing. So I was able to introduce myself and took advantage of being in the right place at the right time. And, um, you know, pestered them enough that they gave me some opportunities to, to showcase some work and, and the rest has, uh, been good from there. It's been all uphill from there so far. So, so when I say that you are a, you're a beat writer, uh, for the time, well, for A to Z, but covering the Titans, yeah. what does a beat writer mean these days? And, and what is it, what are you looking, what are you looking to produce on, on a daily basis, weekly basis, uh, for your audience? Yeah, I think a beat writer nowadays is just being as plugged in and around the team as possible, like having eyes and ears all over the place. So uh, when I go to St. Thomas Sports Park and watch a Titans practice, watch a Titans game or go talk to the Titans players in the locker room, I'm looking to be the eyes and ears of fans. And I feel like that has been something that you know, people don't have those opportunities. People don't have the opportunities to go see their teams practice and play. So I think they look to their beat writers as what can I expect on the field? What's this dynamic between player A and player B like? What is the relationship with these guys in the locker room like? What's going on? So I, I really try and make sure I'm attentive to everything going on around me. And whether it be through uh, video, broadcast, writing, uh, I want to transfer what I see and what I hear to the ears and eyes of the fans. You guys do a lot of video. Uh, walk me through kind of like what you're doing at a, at a Titans practice uh, and, and and what you see and like, what are you, what are you trying to, what are you producing and, and, and kind of like how quickly are you turning stuff around? 
Yeah, well, I try and I mean, I think it does depend if it's training camp versus regular season. There's a little bit of a different hustle that goes into those. But typically in training camp, we like to log or take note of every single snap as much as possible. It helps that we've got multiple sets of eyes in the the room or on the field and we're able to kind of keep an eye on everything. But I think logging things uh, and making sure that we've got one eye on the defense, one eye on the offense, and we're paying attention allows us to create a story and tell the story of a, a big picture. And so I think after every practice, I like to come together and, and look at everything that I've taken notes of. I, I regroup with some of my other A to Z colleagues who are who are present for the practice. And we try and come away with, well, what are the biggest stories right now that a fan would want to care about or have an opinion about? So when we do videos, uh, you know, we've got our A to Z sports morning show, a lot of the times recapping practices or looking forward to uh, that next game. If we're talking about the regular season cycle and identifying listening to the fans to then identify what it is that they want to talk about and they want to hear about the Titans fans have a very interesting interest like like they are for whatever reason very drawn to undrafted free agent wide receivers is something that this fan base has some affinity for I don't know why that's because they've had a lot of them yeah they've had a lot of them (laughs) and and so like typically I think I got into the beat right being on the beat and I just didn't view that as something that was important and I had to tell myself well listen to what the fans are telling you is important and then try and produce daily content whether it's a simple video or an interview check-in with that player or uh, asking a coach about that player so that we can then create a discussion and a dialogue that fans are able to interact with uh, I think is the best way to give them daily content that is refreshing and also covering everything and answering their questions. Trying to cover every practice and produce some like, like you're like you're doing something about every practice yeah. is some fairly granular level shit. Uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, what, it's what, tough, but you're hearing from a to Z uh, viewers that, that that's what they want. Well, yeah. I mean, I think, Part of the thing that we that I love specifically about our show every morning is, you know, live chats and live comments. And and so, you know, as we're talking about whatever big picture thing we might find important, you get questions all the time. How's so and so doing? How's you know, how's Kiaris Jackson coming along? How is this cornerback coming along? And you notice those trends. And so the more I notice those things, the more I say, okay, well, maybe we need to put a little bit more intention into paying attention to this guy that might seem insignificant to us because our our audience, our viewers, it's not insignificant to them. Uh, so that has been something that I think is really important. And especially with, like you said, every day at practice, trying to turn something around and, and find content that is fresh it it can be very difficult so you have to be very intentional with where you direct your your time and and where you direct your focus because if it's easy to be like all right i'm looking at the quarterbacks today i'm watching the quarterbacks again the next day i'm looking at the wide receivers you have to make sure that you are uh geared and specifically driven towards a particular area which i had to learn over time for sure Covering the beat in this in in this kind of way is like so when training camp comes, 
all of a sudden it's like turning a fire hose on, but the yeah. off season can be, can, can be really tough to do for sure. Uh, if we kind of, kind of at that level, what are you looking at in the off season to, uh, to, to kind of to cover and to kind of feed that, feed that audience request? Yeah. Well, I mean, luckily uh, this particular off season, the Titans, you know, were pretty happening and, and giving us yeah. a lot of news to talk about, which made it a little bit easier when you've got a quarterback battle and free agent signings. And, uh, you know, I think off seasons are driven by hope and what could be uh, for a fan base. Uh, I think fans look to the off season as like they're all looking ahead to the season and the possibilities. So I like to engage with fans about the potential of the team and what they'd like to see in their team versus you know, the reality, uh, whether that be a free agent signing, a trade, a draft pick, uh, the NFL is a unique sports business that doesn't really have a lull that lasts too long uh, throughout the offseason. It's kind of got like a six week period that's dead. And for the rest of it, there's something usually going on to talk about. So uh, I really like to try and dial into a fan base and what they're hoping to see when the next season begins uh, and then breaking down how they can get there or what steps the team has taken to give the fans what they want. I'm I'm an uh, I'm an old guy compared to you. And most of the older guys that uh that have uh, well I say guys most most of the older writers and and personalities that cover this team I know but I don't know how a 22-year-old thinks anymore mm. uh, and haven't for and haven't for a while. What is being 22 uh, with a field full of 22 year old uh, and a locker room full of uh, basically 20 year olds, does that give you an advantage or not? Or is there anything, have you discovered anything that you can relate to with, with the players today that s- somebody like somebody like me, for instance, who is old and creaky and uh, has, has much more gray in his beard than he would, he would really like to admit anymore. Is is there any, is there anything that unique unique to your age that you can bring to this? I think it's all relationship stuff and sort of casual things that probably make a difference over time. Uh, honestly, it's interesting you bring that up because when I first got onto the beat, it was not something that I was aware of. Like I, I didn't think about it in the sense of like, oh, these guys are the same age as me. I got thrown into it thinking. These are NFL players. These are, you know, these these stars to so many other people that like it it all felt very big. Uh, And over time, just being in the locker room, I've kind of had that realization of like, oh, like you're my age. You're a year younger than me. You're a year older than me. Like we're, we're pretty similar in our walks of life. And so it has helped me, I think, relate to some of the players when the cameras are down and we're we're talking in the locker room or you're talking coming off the field. Uh, I get a lot of the pop culture references. I let I listen to the same music. Yeah, yeah. I don't get any the of the pop culture room. references anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Titans are playing music in the locker room. I know what song it is. I know who it's by. I'm able to have a conversation with somebody about it. So uh, I think the more conversations you can have, the more you can relate to a player, uh, the easier it is to do the job and have a good relationship and understanding with them. So it it has helped me. I'm hoping it continues to help me. Uh, and you know. I'm not looking forward to the day when I realize that I'm older than every player on the roster and I'm just going to go, Oh, that, that, that's not a good feeling. Yeah, man. Uh, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, for now it's uh, it is, it is nice to be able like, I think it happened 
just a week ago or something, Traylon Burks talking about something in the locker room. And I was like, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. And we, you know, we have a, a moment where we're like, okay, yeah, we see eye to eye on something that other people might not know because we're from the same generation and the same age. Uh, and so it, it does help gradually. Is there anything, uh, is there anything that you found that, uh, being brand new to this, I mean, you've been, you've been at this for a year now, uh, being, being, being new to this, that you are like, oh, man, I, I don't know this, or there are, there are pieces of this that, that I just, uh, I, I'm, I don't have enough experience that I need that I need in certain areas. Yeah. I mean, I think the industry as a whole is, is a lot more nuanced than you probably realize when you first get into it. Like you, the way that even something down as simple as like sourcing, the way it gets down is like, that is something that has accrued over a, a long time and relationships that are, that are built over a long period of time that don't just happen instantaneously. Uh, how so? Well, I mean, like you don't walk into a, at least I haven't found that you walk into a locker room, you talk to somebody, you're like, Hey, I'm so-and-so. And th and now you've got a connection and a source. Like there are people in this industry that have been doing it for a very long time that have sources on sources on sources. And, and they're very well sourced with, you know, people way higher up than I, I will be able to get at in my first second year on the job. Uh, and so it's very much a a learning process of figuring out how to go about building those relationships for me uh, and, and relying on, you know, advice from other people to figure out how to turn a personal relationship into a, a you know, a business relationship and how I can benefit somebody else and, and you know, use that to my benefit as well. So. That's one area. Uh, I think just the way the NFL works and, and leagues work and team works. Frankly, I, I wasn't an NFL guy. I wasn't super deep into the weeds of the National Football League when I started this. I, I grew up a baseball guy. I, I know Major League Baseball like the back of my hand. And so learning about the NFL and different rules, uh, the way front offices operate throughout the season, the way coaching operates throughout the season and the hierarchy of information has all been kind of a learn on the, like a learning process for me as I go too. So that's kind of where I, I tend to defer to some of my elder colleagues uh, and, you know, be like, all right, show me the way here. Let me figure, let me figure this one out, figure that one out and know where I'm going so I can, you know, get my wits about me. On behalf of your elder colleagues, don't ever use the word elder around them. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm 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 interested in in that kind of that kind of sourcing piece though, because you guys you guys do like to try to break news when you can. Yeah. And breaking news around an NFL team is tough because it usually involves something around uh, around a roster change mm -hmm. or uh, a, you know, a signing. A, a um an injury that that can be a little opaque how do you uh, how do you try to to break uh to to break kind of like incremental news about the team in ways that are meaningful and and how do you go about trying to source it so that it's solid enough that you that you feel good having your name and a disease name attached to it yeah, well, I mean, luckily, I do have the benefit of not being alone in those endeavors. You know, a, a to Z has a lot of employees and a lot of people with their own relationships that were then able to, 
you know, re-verify information. Um, so I, I think the way that you would typically, or I, I would like to typically go about it, is finding not not necessarily hunches, but but finding an information you might hear off the record, finding information that you might see, and then thinking, okay, well, how can I now verify this to appropriately source it, to appropriately run with it? Uh, and that's not always easy and can be frustrating at times when you're like, I know something or I've heard something, but I, I can't write about it or talk about it because it hasn't been sourced appropriately. Uh, and so typically it's a group effort. Typically it's, all right, I'll reach out to my contact here. You reach out to your contact there, have so-and-so reach out to so-and-so and see what kind of information we can gather as a group uh, so that A to Z sports can come together as a collective and put something together. There's nothing more frustrating when you're trying to break news and then you but you can't quite get you can't quite pin it down yeah. and then you see it or hear it someplace Schefter else. comes and bombs me all the yeah it's like yeah you're just like all right well what's, hopefully we can well, hopefully well, we, what's something you've been chasing that you that you were you were trying to pin down then all of a sudden you know all of a sudden here comes Schefter or Rappaport or somebody like that with 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 kind of like high level GM contacts or or team contacts or coach contacts that you were just like, well, shit, I you know I was I was trying to I was trying to verify this. Yeah, the recent one I would say that we were trying to verify was Nicholas Petit Ferrer's gambling suspension, and we had we had worked on it for. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is another one that, you know, a couple days leading up to it, we were, uh, you know, fishing around trying to figure out how, how can we verify this? And, and, you know, those are stuff that when, whether it's a, a league suspension or a premium player signing a free agent contract, when it gets close, uh, you know, the uh, circle tends to tighten a little bit. Uh, and then, you know, inevitably you end up with some national guy coming with a, with a high level contact, like you said, dropping it on everybody. So yeah, those were a couple ones of this off season that were particularly, I think, frustrating because A to Z had our, uh, had our fingers on it and we're trying to, trying to see if we could get it out first, but, but, you know, couldn't get the correct, uh, the correct petite, the petite Ferrer thing is, is interesting because, you know, that involves a, the league and a suspension. And so the, the, the realm of people that know about that expands greatly. Yeah. And, that you know the league office and enforcement personnel who also all have media contacts uh and, and people that people that they talk with uh know about it when when something like that happens do you think to yourself all right i've got a clock i've i've got this much time before this thing's going to start getting out like what is uh, on something on something like that what is what what is the kind of the distance between like on the petite fair thing like uh, a, a a tip versus this is this is getting out and usually through a national source. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I put a a number on it ever, but I, you do definitely have a sense of like, okay, this one we can try and work on over the over the coming weeks and see if we can get a lot get some information here. Versus what you know is like, well, this thing's not going to make it till the morning, so you know it's either now or it's never, uh, and you know. Obviously, the national guys are going to, uh, you know, try and be be first with everything. That's why they're as big as they are, because they've got the the connections that they do to be be early, early and often. So, yeah, I, I just err on the side of like, hey, you never know. It could come any second now. And every second that, you know, I waste in, in terms of 
trying to get information and get information out or get something published is, you know, that much more engagement and attention that you're losing. If a national guy comes right up piggybacking, even if it's right after you, right, you could come with information and have, have a, you know, Adam Schefter's of the world come two minutes later than you, your story's getting dwarfed. So you have to make sure you're not just first, but that you're first by a lot to give your, uh, give yourself enough information and, and get attention on it. I'm interested in the, the, the sort of the, the, in the verification of that stuff. And it's always tricky. And you're always, there's always like that kind of feeling in the pit of your stomach. It's like, well, man, I don't want to get this wrong. Yeah. Uh, Particularly when it involves somebody's career. Have you chased anything here in the last year that, that you chased down and you were like, okay, that's not a story or that's like this ended up that this ended up being wrong. And so you invest this time and this effort, but it ends up not, it ends up not being a story. I'm not sure I've had that experience yet. I don't know if I've ever had like, you'll, you'll get it soon enough. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean like you're a hundred percent right with that, that feeling of like, right, well, let me make sure that everything is correct. And even after you've got all the information and, you know, I, I've published some stuff before on A to Z and, and put, you know, put the A to Z sports name on it. And there's this feeling of like, well, hopefully everything is like still going to fall into place, just like I said. And it doesn't make make me look bad, doesn't make A to Z look bad. Um, and yeah, you just kind of ha- have this like feeling that you have to get over at some point. But that, I mean, that's why you double, triple verify. Uh, you do. I-, I like to err on the side of caution with just about everything and be like, OK, well, how will this be perceived uh, if it is published and how will this make a player feel the team feel uh, and, you know, does it matter that the player and the team are going to feel that way? Cause not everything you write, everybody has to like, but you have to make sure that it's, you know, rooted in something viable and, and, and legitimate. Let me ask you one other thing about breaking news here. And then before we move on the 30 years from now, you'll still get a rush out of breaking news. Can try to explain to people what, what it feels like when you, when you've got something that, you know, some that, you know, nobody else has got and you publish it. Like what, Try to tell people what that feels like. Man, well, I think it's part of that feeling of, of like the nervousness of like, okay, we're good, right? Everything's good. Everything's, uh, you know, everything checks out here. Uh, and then I, for me, I think it still feels a little bit uh, like not real, like a little surreal because as a sports fan, as a big fan of of NFL, of Major League Baseball, as somebody who would turn on his tweet notifications for Adam Schefter and my local beat writers, like trying to, you know, get every little news nugget that I could. It's cool to be on the other end of that and kind of goes into like, you know, uh, how the cake is made and like how you bake the cake a little bit. And so you put that out and it, it feels very fulfilling to know that, you know, a piece of information or a nugget of information can then turn into a story can then turn into, uh, you know, something that gets credited by other sites and that fans are going to read and fans are going to pick up on. Uh, so I do think it ultimately is a, like that, that rush of nerves to anxiety to relief. And, and uh, yeah, uh, it's a whirlwind. And I, like you said, I'm sure it's not going to get old because it, it's, it's definitely one of the rare opportunities that, you know, especially for me, don't come around very often right now. I'm trying to get more of those and, and have it be a little bit more 
more common and regular, but right now it's not. So you want to make sure that you get it right and do it quickly every time you can. Coming into your second season on the beat, what is something that uh, what is something that you know now here? It you know we're a couple of days away. We're recording this on Thursday. Uh, game one is on Sunday. What do you what do you know now about what's coming up uh, here in a couple of days that you didn't know a year ago? Coming up in terms of the game or in, in terms, terms of in terms of the season starting? Yeah, I think. I kind of touched on it earlier, but I think really it like intention has been something that I, I didn't have early on on the job um, and, and how much easier and how much better my work is when I go and approach a practice or a game with intention. And, and so understanding storylines and making sure I'm making the most of my locker room time, I'm making the most of my practice time. Uh, I obviously know the schedules and the rules and the ways to, to like handle myself around the building a little bit more. But in terms of the writing and the work that I do, it's how can I be efficient and make sure that I'm handling the players in the way that's going to get the best quote or get the best, uh, you know, story. And then how can I quickly turn that around into engaging content people want to interact with And I think it all comes down to, having purpose every time I step on the sideline of the field or in the locker room uh, and making sure that my purpose is, is clear, turns into efficient conversations and writing. Sam, uh, looking forward to seeing what you do here in year two. Uh, good luck this season and good luck to A to Z. Thank you very much. Uh, hopefully I, I'm ready for football to be back. So hopefully it's smooth sailing. All right. Thanks, Sam. Take Thanks. care. That was Sam Phelan of A to Z Sports, a shockingly young uh, man. But I, 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 you know, I do appreciate that you like really went at trying to get like, well, tell me some specifics about what stories you almost broke, and he <laughs> he, he, he he didn't really take the bait, which I appreciate. A savvy move by the youngster there. No, he's uh, he's doing good work for those guys, man. And and I do find it. I, I do think there's an interesting conversation, not necessarily about him, but like in general, and I think you got at this at the very beginning of the interview, which is just, we just define beat writer so differently in 2023. Yeah. We define sports media journalism majors as a, as a, as a course of study in a very different way. And um, I, I think Sam sort of shows you all the different millions. Of, and it's, I don't know, Steve, I'm sure you asked this question a lot by young people or by parents of young people. Hey, what's, what's your advice? You know, which is a very broad general question to ask people in any industry, which I hate. Be more specific with your feedback, but I'd always say, just do as much stuff as possible. Just do do every learn learn how to do everything. Learn how to edit video. Learn how to write. Learn how to be a producer. Learn how to radio, newspaper writing, TV, internet. Just learn how to do it all and make yourself as valuable as possible. Well, and 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 during college, he was doing a bunch of that. You know, he mentioned friend of the pod, Chris Lee, and you know, working over at MediaSports.com. When, while he was still at Lipscomb covering Vanderbilt, uh, getting as many reps as he can. And, and I think that's always important to kind of do these things, see what, see what you're good at, see yeah. what you like. And, you know, he learned pretty quickly, look, man, I, I, I'm probably not, I'm probably not a takeout guy. I'm probably not a, not a, uh, you know, a, a big beat writer. Uh, but, 
coverage wise, I, I enjoy the video piece of it. I enjoy the audio piece of it. I enjoy kind of like getting my opinion in there. And I think in, you know, in the style, and we've talked about A to Z a bunch with those guys, you know, in the style that they have, you know, I think, I think he's sort of, he's sort of perfect for, for, for what they're trying to do. It is interesting. Cause like, I, I, I sort of fight with the medium of, of video in general as a per like, but I knew I was listening to him talk. I knew when I was very young, not that I was going to go into sports media, but that I love sports talk radio, that I loved the, the oral medium was something that I was always gravitated towards. I always listened to it sort of also was naturally or or easy there, soldier. It also fit like <laughs> it also fit my personality. Like my grandfather was a preacher, like, you know, like it just fit. So it was interesting to hear him kind of gravitate towards something that is very much modern, but also fits his personality and what the Internet is 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 craving right now. Whereas I sort of felt a very different way growing up. And I'm sure Mr. Newsman's newsman over there just dreamed of winning Pulitzer Prizes, of you know, writing and editing. And everyone sort of has their their strengths and weakness and they learn and gravitate towards those things at a, at a young age. So great conversation. Really interesting stuff. Appreciate him coming on. I apologize that I, I missed that by taking care of. Uh, my uh, my spouse, yeah, whatever. Being a good, being a good husband. Um, speaking uh, of Nashville's most popular college football team, Tennessee Volunteers. <laughs> now that's a there, second, you Steve. there you go. Uh, so the Tennessee Volunteers, they're back. People are watching them. Many people are saying uh, that they're that, that they're watching them. What do you think? What, what do you think though about? I mean, the Tennessee Titans are gonna are gonna kick off here on Sunday. That number is going to be that number is going to actually be pretty big. That number is going to be huge. Can yes. Tennessee yes. can what does Tennessee have to do to kind of crack Titans numbers on a regular basis? Beat Alabama 51-49 in historically epic fashion. Uh, I I think what's interesting is Sam was also involved as was A to Z in this whole like Titans pandering volunteer fan base, just absolute garbage on the internet. Not in a bad way by, by Sam, by the way, I, I think what's interesting, although his tweet did read like a kid from Chicago, just want to point that out. Don't, <laughs> if you're going to, if you're going to come down here into sec football territory, then you better understand that Nashville is a Tennessee volunteer market. Full stop, full stop. It is a Tennessee volunteers market. It is not a Vanderbilt. It's not market. a Vandy market, not a Vanderbilt, not market. an Alabama market. Number one, the only college football game, not the national championship, not the SEC championship, the only college football game that has beaten a Titans game, TV ratings wise, in the greater Nashville area, which is about two million people. It includes, you know, all the big sort of satellite areas. The only two games that have beaten Tennessee Titans football games on television in six years were the Alabama-Tennessee game last year and the Tennessee-Georgia game last year, both of which were when Tennessee Volunteers football was good. This has been for 100 years, a since television was invented, this has been a Tennessee Volunteers market. Now, is it an NFL so, market so now? It is an NFL market now. But if you're going to rank college teams and say, what college market is this? It is number one, Tennessee Volunteers. Number two, probably Alabama. And then Vanderbilt when it can get itself into the conversation. What happens when Tennessee plays Florida in two weeks in the swamp and, and they beat Florida? It, it, I think it'll do a good number, but I don't think it, like last year's game was very entertaining and they beat them, which doesn't happen very often, even in, in Neyland. And it was a pretty good number. All of Tennessee volunteers football last year was was pretty good. They did it. They did a good job. And there's a lot of transplants from the inner. I call it the concentric circles of SEC interest. 
there's sort of like Auburn, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, which is like sort of the inner circle and, and that includes Alabama. And then there's sort of the outer circle, which is, you know, Arkansas, Georgia, you know, LSU, you know, on and on kind of around Florida. And I just, all those Tennessee games did well last year, but none of these games, even Bama and Auburn, like the Iron Bowl or an SEC championship game, they don't beat Tennessee Titans games in Nashville. The NFL is king except for those two Tennessee Volunteers games. So it is absolutely a Tennessee Volunteers market when they are good. So I was reading some... uh, So spending some quality time on the Federal Communications Corporation. Communications? I think it's the commission. Whatever whatever the FCC is. I think it's the commission. I think it's their commission. Uh, Spending some quality time on the FCC site, uh, looking at uh, campaigns and what they spend on advertising. You must be a lot of fun on a Friday night, by the way. I mean, uh, so much fun. So. One so a couple things popped out at me. One is one campaign bought a thirty second spot on the opener of uh, the Titan season, the Titan Saints game on I think it's Sunday at noon. Cost ten thousand dollars for a thirty second spot. Okay, okay. So you're gonna get a get good ratings. You're gonna probably get about two hundred thirty, two hundred forty thousand people in the greater Nashville area watching that that's a that's that's actually not a bad uh cpm good 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 job good job it's expensive it's on channel it's on channel five channel Mm -hmm. five has the highest Mm -hmm. rates Mm -hmm. because they have the most eyeballs Uh, good good job you're gonna have you're gonna have some people looking at your ad they also bought on (laughs) sun on saturday night on cbs and this is my favorite (laughs) this is my favorite thing because it is however this week san diego and ucla which might which might not be worth the fifteen hundred dollars for the they're spending on a thirty second spot. That 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 fifteen hundred dollars is 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 going to cost you more than it would to be on like the six pm newscast. Uh, it, it is it is a very prime oh, very be, prime spot. I I'll do some digging on the re, on the ratings because again a UCLA San Diego State game sounds like a great Final Four matchup in March, but I I on CBS I don't think the week two non-conference game between UCLA Bruins football and San Diego State football is going to be worth the money in Davidson County with Davidson County voters because you're targeting Man, I, I, I just I, I don't know if you know this I just but don't you, think when you're running for mayor of Nashville only people in Davidson County can vote for it so that's the tough thing about buying uh, about buying television advertising it and people are buying less and less of it you're only reaching you're spending for the entire market, but you're only reaching a portion of that market. Yeah. You know, like forty percent of of your uh, of your potential voters, and then then you need registered voters, kind of within that subset. It's like it's a very imprecise sort of tool. Yep. And yet, sounds like it a good is use still of money. one of the one of the more popular kind of ways for candidates to do that. So anyway, uh, here's spend here's, some time on the FCC side, vote every, everyone. It's a uh, it's, it's, it's a it's a good way to good way to you know. Sounds like a anyway. really good use of your time. Um, I, I'll listen. This is this is how you you spend money on on you 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 build funny cheap digital ads and run them everywhere. That's that's how you uh, that's how you do it. And that's and, and that's anyway. what some of the and that's what some of these candidates do. Uh, one so, one so one asked, candidate in this election did it that way and had the most votes for a minute. Yeah. Uh, Last uh, oh, last God. Friday at noon, I mean, sorry, last Saturday at noon, big upset. 
Colorado beats TCU. There's a lot of talk about Coach Prime. Coach Prime. Coach Prime, what do you think about this? Oh, talk they about, never believed in us. Talk about Coach Prime. Coach Prime, why why didn't anybody believe in you? What do you think about what do you think about Deion Sanders' insistence or preference for being Coach Prime as opposed to Coach oh, Sanders I or Deion could, or whoever else? Could not give a flying fuck about what he wants to be called. Don't don't care. Don't don't care. If it works for him and it makes him more brandable and more marketable, like then then it serves its purpose. But like, look, we you know Nick Suss was on the show. Dion got all pissy and hot and bothered with him. Got his uh, underwear in a bunch because he called him Dion, which I don't know is his name. You know, we've talked about this a lot. I don't care about the name. I, I what I find interesting is we as a country, especially in Nashville, but we as a country. When we get something shoved down our throats for long enough, we sort of uh, overexposure of a of a personality or a we tend to sort of like kind of push away from it eventually. And golly, man, I'd never seen more hype for a team that was supposed to be less good than Colorado this whole entire summer. Fox just pouring ads for that game. Turns out they were dead right about it. It, it, you know, no. the rating, the ratings were good and the game was well, really, really fun and interesting. I watched a bunch of that game. That game great was game. fun to watch. Yeah. Hey, look, that team that he had that team ready to play. It is hard to get. A, it's hard enough to get a college team ready for week one of a season. You know, you don't have any preseason. You have a you have a fall camp, but you really don't know what you're you really don't know what you've got until you step on the field in that first game. And he had them ready to go. And, you know, you when you throw in the fact that, you know, there are like 83 new players on this team, it, it is a feat. And those kids are bought in. They believe the message. They believe, you know, every single motivational trick that he sure. has pulled. Sure. Sure. To, to make to make it all to make it all work, and and they're he, fun he to hi, watch. You, he, hi, you I, I have to give him that due. I gotta stop but, you there. Man, I gotta stop. It, I gotta stop you. They are fun to watch, and I like the players. The players are fun. Travis Hunter played 129 snaps. The tr a true yeah. two way player. His son, maybe Chris not Sanders, sustainable. It's it's maybe not, but like the dude is fun to I, like. I have nothing against the athletes, the players. I am that, curious. That interception, your, unbelievable. Yeah. To your question and to your point, Jim Harbaugh for Michigan, very good coach. When he was overexposed, literally taking his shirt off at satellite camps and being covered by the media ad nauseum, guess what happened? We all think he sucks and we don't like him anymore because we don't like it when someone gets that much exposure. Dabo Sweeney's dealing with this right now. Clemson is somehow unlikable. Clemson has somehow made Shane Beamer and South Carolina look likable because Dabo Sweeney has sort of been overexposed and the caricature is overdone and the shtick is overplayed. And we sort of just kind of start to see through that stuff. People in the HBCUs don't like Deion Sanders. He's even claiming, you know, that he's not a Florida State guy anymore to the press. He's fighting with the media. He kicks a bunch of players off. He takes scholarships away from 50 guys at Colorado. I'm not saying it's not part of the business, but people don't like how he's doing it. And, oh, by the way, it's going to be overexposed and shoved down our throats for the whole entire season. I'm curious when we grow tired of the shtick. That's my question Mike, about it. Mike Oregon had a had a story in the Tennessee uh, here this week, uh, talking to Eddie George, uh, with some very sort of pointed quotes about how glad they that they were to be playing Jackson State, and was was glad that Dion had not blown up the rivalry 
between the b- between those two colleges. And and the the subtle message there was really glad to see Dion gone from HBCU there, football. There is an incredibly complex conversation about race and Dion Sanders that two middle-aged white guys are not exactly qualified to have. Nope. But it is way more complex than anyone realizes. And um, because kind of Dion's Dion's just Dion. He's like one of one. We've said this before on the show. If you can play a professional football game and then go play a professional baseball game in the same day, you're not really ever told no by anybody. And you're kind of one of one in in, in your own world as a human being. So, I, again, I'm, I, I'm in on watching them. I think they're going to beat arch rival Nebraska this weekend. Lay the three points. But uh, and I like watching the kids because the kids are fun to watch. I love the athletes, but I, I don't I don't know how much of the uh, of the Dion Coach Prime shtick I'm going to be able to take. So uh, if that makes me gonna... an old man, whatever, I don't care. Welcome, welcome, get off welcome, my lawn. welcome to old man club. Get, get off my lawn. <laughs> All right, uh, let's talk recommendations here for a minute. What do you got? Don't again. Do not ride tricycles on your feet, <laughs> standing up. Down a hill trying to impress your children. Haley That's really the, does not listen to this podcast. The only recommendation <laughs> I have, do not stand on the seat of the tricycle, ride it down a grass hill while your husband is taping you. I guess it's not videotaping. It's it's recording. It's, don't 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 do that. That's my recommendation to people is don't do that. And if you'd like good SEC football coverage, SEC football live every Tuesday, noon PM Central Time on the YouTube page at 440 Sports. We have SEC game previews. And individual chunks that are going to be up there as well. So lots of great stuff covering the SEC and, of course, the Titans with a football show. So go check out the 440 Sports YouTube page. It's football season, and we've got you covered. Three live shows a week. One o'clock on Monday and Thursdays, we do a football show with the Titans and a little SEC mixed in. And then, of course, on Tuesdays, noon, Michael Bratton, Aaron Dugan, myself, myself, we talk college football, all SEC all the time, and all kinds of fun stuff for you there at the YouTube page. So check it out. Newly revamped. For the season, 440 Sports YouTube. Check it out. This uh, next recommendation, I was, will say from the from the outset here, is not a make good. My good friend Josh Crutchmer, who I mentioned last week as as being the uh, the guy who sent me the the AI football story that uh, ended up blowing up in a viral tweet that um, you did not that you did not credit, right? Uh, that I did not initially credit, and I now you're given, promoting had, something he's doing on the show. This is not a make good. Sounds an awful uh, lot like a make good to me. Crutch is on. Uh, Crutch is a music writer on the side. He's a, he's a planning editor at the New York Times, and, and works on page one and some other stuff. But he he, he in his heart of hearts he's, he is a music writer uh, and writes a lot about. He wrote a wrote a really good book about the red dirt scene uh, from Texas and Oklahoma, and he wrote a book here called the Motel Cowboy Show, which has came out here a couple weeks ago it's just a fabulous uh look at mountain music and there's there's a bunch of different kind of stuff in it turnpike troubadours are in it he's had a lot of access he wrote he wrote a really great piece for rolling stone about turnpike troubadours but in the wheels off podcast with and i'm blanking on his name the lead singer in old 97s uh uh, rhett uh miller or something what's his uh rhett miller yeah yeah so his podcast is really good and he gets a lot of really good people on. So he had Crutch on to talk about process and to talk about becoming a music writer and how and like and and kind of how uh he approaches it. And if you care at all about kind of like the craft of writing and kind of the craft of of how to tell stories, 
it's a really fascinating interview. It's not very long. It's like 25 minutes, 30 minutes, you know, much shorter than this podcast. Uh, and <laughs> it, it really is like one of my favorite things. And I learned, and it's, I always find it kind of fascinating when like, I mean, Crutch is one of my best friends and there were things in there that I just didn't know about because he's because uh, he had just kind of kept these things internal and 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 the, i think that's one of the really great things that miller does is he gets people to verbalize parts of their creative process that you would never uh, that, that they that they don't verbalize yeah. it, it, it's just a it's a really good interview it's a fascinating look into kind of a creative mind miller's podcast is worth is worth checking out anyway uh but this episode with uh with josh crotchmer is just fantastic uh you should go check it out so you are promoting two books and a podcast on a person who sent you a, your most successful tweet of all time, who you did not credit for. And now you're promoting two <laughs> books and a podcast that he's on the very next episode. And you're trying to tell me that's not a make good. Not a make good. Okay. Well, I'm <laughs> this, gonna, is a, this is in no way a make good. I, I'm assuming like every other sports slash music person in this city. I, I'll ask him about that when he's at the Isbell show coming up in a month. So uh, he he's going to be at the Isbell show. Matter of fact, uh, uh, he uh, he and his wife are coming in, staying with us, and taking us to the Isbell show. We're 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 quite excited. Going to going to do a little time at Locust beforehand. Stop uh, it! You, stop it! Stop it's it. going to be it's going to be it's going to be a great night. You know the is at the Isbell show. No one likes show, a bragger. No one likes a bragger. Half, It'll be half the uh, half the sports writers, half to three quarters of the sports writers. The ones that didn't go to the Springsteen show <laughs> will be at the Isbel show. Inside every inside every sports writer are two wolves. Yeah, yeah. One, one uh, is Springsteen, one is Isbel. And every, every national media member under the sun in the in within a three hour radius of Nashville, Tennessee, will be at uh, the Jason Isbel show. Uh, Rex Road and Kaharski will be at the Springsteen show, and the rest of us will be at the right place. So. There you go. That's all that matters. You wouldn't you wouldn't go to Springsteen? I, I listen. I would go to a Springsteen show for sure. I respect the work ethic. I respect what he stood for back in the day. Uh I respect wow. I, I would love I would love to go see. I dude, if you're gonna put on that kind of show for that many years, I have nothing but pure respect for you. But if yeah. you're asking me which one's better, I mean, come on. <laughs> wow. Let's not go crazy. Wow. Let's not go crazy here. One wow. guy's one guy's the greatest songwriter of our generation. The other guy's Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm cutting this in in my role as host. I'm officially cutting this conversation oh, off. That's right. You're in charge. Now. Uh, Braden, where can people find you? Uh, you can find <laughs> you can find me on Twitter. I call it Twitter forever. It's never going to be anything but Twitter. You can follow me there at Braden Gall at 440 Sports as well. And you can find me just basically driving my significant other around town. So just say hi, wave, rate, review, and subscribe. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at or, or Instagram uh, at Scavendish. This has been Lamestream Sports, a proud member of the 440 Sports Network. For everyone here, I'm Steve Cavendish. Thanks for listening. Not bad. <laughs>